listening to WFNM 89.1 Lancaster. Uh, continuing with XFL Week 5, we got we had the Vipers, who put up a fight in the first half, but uh, fell to L.A. Um, look, they came out of a, of a shutout victory against the D.C. Defenders last week. This week, they looked pretty good to start off the game, but it kind of all fell apart in the second half. Uh, it just looked like the... the you know, drive to drive to win wasn't really there in the second half. They just kind of fell apart. So, I mean, look, I was really rooting for them, and I thought that after they put up that performance against DC, that they were going to show at least they were going to show us that you know things are things are looking up for them, and they they found a way to win. And honestly, in the first half, I thought I thought that they looked great, but as soon as we got to the second half, it all just kind of fell apart. Yeah, the biggest factor in that game was obviously takeaways for yeah. the LA Wildcats. A huge, huge impact on the game. They. Sh- they really stepped up their defense, pulled out the win in the second half. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on from that game, uh, Houston is still undefeated at five and zero. PJ Walker looks great. Uh, there, that receiver is a Cam Cameron Phillip. Cameron Phillip is unbelievable. They had a big comeback in the second half. It was looking there for a while that uh, that I, I forget who the they Seattle played. Dragons. Seattle Dragons were going to pull it out and 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 um, finally hand Houston their first loss. But the second half was unbelievable for houston there were some excellent plays there was some great 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 offense and i was just so happy to see that happen i just i i'm literally such a fan of pj walker (laughs) yeah yeah everybody loves him you you can't you can't not he's just so good and his story of of almost not even being here to now being the like having it be a foregone conclusion that he's the xfl mvp like it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's come out and really become the face of the league. Now, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Uh, so is Cameron Phillips. Their connection is unbelievable. That chemistry that they have. I think. I think Cameron Phillips has thrown sixteen touchdowns. Nine of them have gone to Cameron Phillips. Yeah. Which is incredible statistic. That connection they have is really unmatched in the league. But these past few weeks, we're starting to see Houston get tested a little bit. You know, yeah. they played the Vipers last week. Got tested. Uh, was shut out in the first quarter came back and won obviously but this week again we saw the uh the seattle dragons come out and really stick it to them in the first half they came back and won again but i think we're starting to see these past these past two weeks that the houston roughnecks are not this invincible team that we thought they were these first three weeks for sure i i I would agree and you know uh look as long as you have that clutch factor you'll you'll do great things but it only goes so far i feel like i feel like if if we're gonna see the houston uh houston roughnecks right houston roughnecks sorry uh if we're gonna see them you know get shut continue to struggle in the first half and continue to get uh shutouts and get shut out in the first half i think that we're gonna see them fall at some point i don't want to see them fall because i i genuinely like watching them and it's a really good football team but if we're not if if we're just going to rely solely on clutch factor here which it's what it sounds like right now we're not going to have the uh we're not going to have an undefeated team in the xfl very long for much longer so we got to I think that they need to start focusing on, on, you know, making the short plays, doing doing the little things to try and execute a little bit better in the first half, and then we might see a much better, more well-rounded football team rather than just the clutch that we see now. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think my matchup for next week to watch is the New York Guardians are going to be hosting the Houston Roughnecks. This is a team that's on the uptick, a new quarterback, 
a new leader in the team and facing a Houston Roughnecks team that has been struggling in the first half of football games these past two games. I think it'd be it'll a good defense in New York against a great offense in Houston. It's going to be a good game. I, I'm excited to see it. Um, I, I mean, I think it could be the first loss we see in Houston, and that would be huge for New York to take would, a lead in the East. For sure. That would be huge for New York, cause, uh, especially after we had those two terrible games with Matt McGloin. You know, uh, it seemed like there was a lot of there was a lot of hope lost there and i mean the crowds at the the crowds at the game at least the one that you went to kind of showed what it was yeah kind of showed what was going on with with people that they don't really want to go to games if we're gonna if we're gonna see terrible quarterback play so i think that if we if since they won last week and if we're gonna see a similar product come out onto the field this week i think you're gonna see a boost in attendance and you're probably gonna see a boost in viewership uh, which will be great for the XFL because I think that's one of their big concerns right now is trying to figure out how to get the big markets into into a a, a place like C- St. Louis, right, where St. Louis is killing it with the with the uh, attendance and the viewership as well as Houston and play. But LA and, and New York are the biggest markets they have right now, and the attendance isn't there. So I'm hoping that if 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 we see Houston come into New York and get beat by the Guardians, I think that we're going to see a boost in everything. And I think that, that the XFL is going to see that growth factor for the big markets that they want. Or at least for New York. I don't know about L.A., but for New York, I think they're going to see that growth factor that they want. If, if, if this week the Guardians beat the Roughnecks. Absolutely. I mean, winning brings numbers, and going, and going out and defeating the only undefeated team would be huge for a big market like New York. I agree. And it'll be... I, I'm excited to watch it. I know that most of us will not be on campus this weekend, but I'm sure that, you know, uh, I'm sure that we'll have something to say at some point. Anyway, uh, moving on to the last game of last week. Uh, DC bounced back from a shutout last week to win. Uh, Cardell Jones, still playing poorly, still throwing interceptions, got benched. Um, and DC started to perform as soon as he got benched. They benched him for... I don't remember who but uh sorry i completely just forgot <laughs> um but yeah the the dc defender started to uh started to produce when cardale got benched and even even though cardale got benched he was still very supportive on the sidelines uh after after the quarterback threw threw a touchdown i remember he he was the first guy to come greet him first guy to to, to give him a high five on the sideline so that's a good thing. We know that Cardale's a team player. Um, we know that there is some hope for the DC defenders rather than, you know, just what we kind of saw the past few weeks, which was a, a rather inconsistent, somewhat borderline terrible football team. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to see that, that the product is improving there as well. Yeah, definitely. Just, I mean, his name was Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson, yeah. Um, after Cardell Jones, he threw his seventh interception in the season, but more more shockingly, it was his seventh interception in the last three games. Oof. So obviously, you need to make a QB change there. Uh, Tyree Jackson came in, led the team to a victory, and it wasn't this crumbling DC Defenders team that we've been watching the past three weeks with Cardell Jones at the helm. For sure. Uh, it was good for them to pull out the win. They're now leading in the East, and we'll see what's to come. Uh, I, I expect good things out of this team because DC is 
a great team defensively. The only problem these past few weeks was the QB play. They were undefeated until Cardell Jones started throwing all those interceptions. And now that he's been pulled, they can win a game. Maybe he needs to take some time, practice, get his confidence back. I'm sure we'll see Cardell Jones back in the field. I'm positive. Yeah. He's a he's a face of the league. Very, very famous guy. Great personality, and I think we're going to be seeing more of him for sure. He's a very funny guy too, as we as yeah. we know. Back in back in college, there's a famous tweet that came out during um, during uh, Ohio State's uh, national championship run, where he talked about how college athletes don't come to school to play school; they come to play football. And it was uh, you know it became kind of a, a little bit of a meme for a while. So. Again, he has a good personality. I think that's the type of player the XFL needs to to be promoting. And and if his play does improve, I think that that'll that'll be the way that it'll get to a point where he can be a face of the league. Is that he needs to have the results on the field as well as off the field to to show the XFL that his branding is valuable, right? So, yes, I I agree with you. I think that we're going to see him back on the field at some point, just because I think that the off-field personality is too much to ignore and it, it brings so much more interest into the league if there's a guy out there that's you know uh, a particular draw so i think that we are going to see him back on the field we just have to hope that he gets his stuff right yeah definitely uh next week they're going out to face dallas yeah a team still he's he, landry jones should still be injured at that point he's going to be out another week so i fully expect dc to pull out this win and with that, I think we'll see Cardell Jones back on the field doing stuff that he used to be doing. And For sure. it'll be fun to watch. For sure. Um, now, kind of on to the unavoidable topic, of course. We talked about it a little bit last week, but, I mean, it's all over the media now. It's all over. It's at, literally everywhere. So the effect of the coronavirus on professional sports um, – a bunch of leagues have come out with protocols and what they're going, what their plan is going to be going forward. Uh, first off, the D3 March Madness tournament. Uh, the early rounds are all going to be played in front of empty stadiums, essentially. Um, the D1 March Madness tournament is going to go on as planned, so we don't have to worry about that. But I don't know how highly these D3 tournaments were attended anyways yeah that's true (laughs) honestly yeah but uh one thing that has happened at least i think it was announced today that the ivy league tournaments would not be happening so the top of the the top of both leagues both men's and women's uh ivy league uh basketball rankings are going to be making the tournament i believe that's how it was going to go so um i think it was yale women's and some other I, I don't remember who the men's team was, but since those tournaments aren't going to be happening, whoever's leading the league right now is just going to make it into the tournament. Um, the next thing, the NHL is coming up with plans for games in empty stadiums. I have no idea how that's going to work. I know that in San Jose, they're having to do it because um, the county put restrictions on gatherings of over a 1,000 people. So the Sharks are going to have to play in a stadium without fans. That, or there were ideas to put it in a neutral uh, neutral location or do it on the road, but for the time being, there will be no, ho- no fan-attended hockey games in San Jose, California, which is terrible for the Sharks. I don't understand how we can do games when, you know, t- 
teams aren't making money off of this. They're actually losing money. So it's going to be a big blow to the leagues in general. Because think about it. Think about it from this perspective. The Rangers sell out almost every game, right? They they are so valuable as a franchise that when they when they were when they were uh, scheduled to play in the Winter Classic, they actually took away a home game from the other team they played, which was the Buffalo Sabers, rather than rather than the New York Rangers. Despite them both being te- both being New York teams, the Rangers the Rangers were technically playing at home because it was Queens, it was in City Field in, uh, a few years ago, but they chose to take away a game from the Sabers instead because the Rangers playing in their stadium is so valuable. So as soon as, as soon as New York City goes, yeah, we're going to ban ban sporting events of more than a thousand people what are the rangers supposed to do what is the nhl supposed to do i know i mean this is an unprecedented case though i mean you have a situation this is a public health emergency going on and if the government is going to come down and say we have to ban gatherings of over a thousand people the nf or excuse me the nhl can't just not comply i i understand I, I, I I, i i don't think that they can postpone the season that easily either yeah so you're only left with the options. Yeah, these games got to be played. We're going to continue the season, but unfortunately, fans are going to have to stay home and watch on their television. But how how does a team supplement the revenue and the league supplement the revenue from ticket sales? There's no doubting that these are hard times. Yeah. These are hard times for not just the NHL, but for the public in general, for the public at large. How are they going to make the money back? I'm not so sure that they can. Yeah, because you know these teams are now missing out on concessions, on retail, on s- ticket sales, all of that. They're losing out on probably some advertising sales just based on stadium stadium usage. I know that probably stadium. There's there's definitely some rules regarding how long advertisements need to be in the stadium, whatever. But you know, I feel like I feel like teams are going to be losing revenue streams left and right because of this stuff. And I I mean. I, I'm worried about the long-term success of, of leagues if we're going to have issues with revenue from, from, a multiple, from multiple teams because it, it, the Sharks are just the beginning because now we have a, a large outbreak in New York State. We have a team going. We have a team that's opening up in Seattle next year. Like, how are they going to find a way to do this? You know? It's, it's really hard. It's going to be a hard thing for teams. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from, definitely. But I do believe that it's important for these games to continue to go on. Yeah. While people are staying at home, trying to protect themselves from this coronavirus, there, it, it would be good for the morale of people to be able to watch hockey every night and other sports in general that people enjoy. That's I mean, true. It, it's, it reminds me of a time in World War II where they kept playing baseball. Yeah. Okay, because they believed that it was good for the morale of the nation that you play ball no matter what because this is about our culture. This is about our values and we're not going to let this thing that is a danger to us affect how we live our lives. For sure. And so I believe it's a noble thing for the NHL and other sports leagues to continue even if they have to take a loss or there's a detriment by not having fans in the stadium. People still are going to watch on TV, and Definitely. and it will be good for everybody to see them continue to play through hard times like we're going through right now. Yeah, I, I, it just it just seems a little crazy to me that that you know we're 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 staring down the barrel at the possibility that you know every game is going to be like that that Orioles game that happened after the the Baltimore riots a few years back. 
where Gary Thorne was talking in a in a almost a, a golf announcer voice. So it's it's just crazy to me, you know. Like it's just not. It's just such a a weird situation because you don't see a game played in an empty stadium. Crowd noise is a factor always, and and this just changes the entire situation. I feel like it's just like it feels like practice to the players probably from then on. Yeah, I'm sure it's weird for them too. Yeah. So, look, it's it's. I know that it needs to happen. If we're gonna if we're gonna continue to play the seasons and we're not gonna stop play and we're not gonna postpone anything, it needs to happen this way. But it's it's going to be a weird time, and I think that a lot of people are going to be a little bit sketched out and a little uncomfortable with it. But if we're if if we as a society are going to contain this thing, I think that these are the these are the types of things that need to be sacrificed for the time being. Um, continuing on this topic. Um, a joint letter was sent out by the MLS, the MLB, uh, and I believe the NBA and the NHL, I believe it was all major sports leagues in, in, um, the U S consider are now barring, uh, reporters from coming into the locker room after games as a precaution against coronavirus. Um, this is obviously a player safety move. As, as we said last week, there have been player safety moves across multiple different leagues telling uh, players what to do in terms of autographs or, yeah, in terms of autographs and in terms of shaking hands and taking pictures and, and things like that. So this is not a surprising move for in anybody's mind i i think it was obviously one of the first things to go because it it puts players in an unnecessary position to go and talk to outside people rather than in an environment where they can control you know the spread of these things like for for a team that only has a certain number of players they can monitor them closely rather than have people from outside come into this space um so yeah this is not surprising it needed to be done I'm glad it got done. Hopefully this this keeps this virus away from the families of these players and the players for the time being. I'm sure at some point we're going to see a player get it. I'm well, I hope see. not. I mean, I really do hope not. That would be terrible for any league that endures it. This this decision is the correct decision, though. Yes. Any sort of journalism or interview process can be done over the phone or over Skype or any other totally. sort of means. 100%. There's no real purpose to having media in a locker room yeah. when you're going through a health crisis like we are right now this is about protecting the players the leagues are doing the right thing by barring the media from entering this sort of space where players will be at risk and i don't think you're going to see a huge change maybe in post-game interviews they're going to they're still going to happen but they're going to be in designated areas where players will be at a, at a safe distance from reporters and not having microphones in their face at all times. For sure. For sure. I, I, it's the right decision. It's something to be expected, and we're probably going to see more of, a, more of it in upcoming, uh, which, in upcoming days. Yeah, which is super unfortunate. And, I, I mean, there have been situations in the past where a disease has spread around locker rooms. Usually, usually it come, it's, it's MRSA, which is... Uh, uh, a very strong strain of, of antibiotic-resistant bacteria that usually happens to football players and it, it causes a it causes terrible problems. Um, I know back a few years ago the Giants had issues with it with uh, Daniel Fells who had to have multiple operations to get rid of the MRSA-infected tissues and stuff, and it was a big issue for him. Um, so these things do happen. The 
diseases do go around locker rooms and if if it does i i can understand why they're doing this because if it does start in one locker room it's going to spread to everybody on the team but this is a different sa- situation than even what you've described yeah. this th- that staff MRSA that you've described is something that's that happens between players that are in close contact yeah mostly through sweat that that that's where it thrives yeah. But this is a different situation because now you're at risk from people who are not on the team, who are not athletes, coming into your environment and then spreading the disease. Yeah, it, a totally outside source coming in and putting you at risk. And that's why this is the correct decision, like I've said. And it's very, very necessary, and we're going to see more of it probably Agreed. in the upcoming days and weeks. Agreed. Um, Cornell is going to play their weekend ice hockey tournament for an empty stadium as well. This is not surprising. Colleges all across the country are switching to online classes and banning uh, gatherings. I mean, FNM today hadn't had an event where uh, we kicked off our day of giving, so it was a little bit surprising to see that. I know that we don't have any any cases of coronavirus on campus, and there are only a few in in Pennsylvania as a whole, uh, none in Lancaster that we know of. So that was not surprising i i mean it was surprising to see that happening especially now that we all these schools that might not even be near infected uh, near people infected with with the coronavirus um going to online classes and closing for extended periods of time um but you know cornell doing this especially as other ivy league schools like harvard have now switched to fully online as well as princeton it's not surprising um, I'm sure we're going to see more stuff like this. In the oh, absolutely. Days. So is Ohio State. Though yeah. Their students are now on spring break. They've sent out a mass email and notifications telling students not to come back. Yeah. We're only going to see more of this. Uh, those games are going to be played for empty stadiums because they don't want to put their own students at risk. For sure. And I, I totally get that. It's it's surprising to me that they wouldn't put the... I, I, I know that we're saying that ath- athletics need to go on. I know that that creates some level of normalcy, but it's surprising to me that student athletes would be would be caught up in this as well. Like Cornell, I understand that Cornell is a is a well known and, and well regarded school, but it's it's also and it's a good hockey school too. That that's another thing. But it's also they're student athletes. It's not like it's the pros. If if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about doing empty stadiums, I would expect the pros to keep going. But I don't know about I don't know about college teams. That seems a little bit much to me. You make a good point. This is another example of uh, normalcy, like I've been talking about, play on through the tough times. Uh, I, I think that as long as schools take precautions with their student-athletes, make sure that they're in safe environments, clean environments where the virus does not spread, continue to do what they're doing in terms of media, access to players, they should be safe. I understand why these games need to go on. I, I can't imagine a school wanting to cancel an entire season or removing their team from contention. Um, it's sad to see, but it does, like you mentioned, return fans to a sense of normalcy. You do have something to look forward to at the end of the day if your team is playing. And college is a major part of that, not just professional. People want to watch their alma maters. People want to watch their schools that they attend currently for sure win ball games and even if that has to happen in front of an empty crowd it's still going to go on for sure uh okay enough about coronavirus i'm sure it'll come up again but let's move on to the ufc this weekend we had two 
uh, championship fights. The first one was... Uh, so the co-main was Zhang Wei Li and Joanna Young Jacek, uh, which was an absolute brawl. One of... On a, in, in, in contention for one of the best fights of all time. Absolutely. I loved watching it. These two fighters really went at it. Zhang Wei Li is one of my favorite fighters at the moment. She's on a 20-fight win streak now after this victory. Uh, Joanna Young Jacek looked absolutely messed up she, at the end. The the consensus on Twitter was that she looked like Megamind. Yeah, I mean, I thought she looked more like Frankenstein. Yeah. Not to make fun of her. Oh, she of was not. an absolute beast in the octagon. This okay, was, this she was, was an, yeah. a great fighter, great contender. Okay, almost won the fight. It was a split decision victory for Zheng Wei Li. Over 600 strikes were thrown by each fighter, uh, or combined, excuse me, by both fighters. Yeah. And right off the bat, they started talking about it as a UFC Hall of Fame fight. For sure. And, you know, you have to give so much respect to Joanna, of course, because from from the looks of it, from the pictures, it looks like she broke her orbital. It looks like she bro- She probably fractured her skull, to be totally honest with you, because the amount of swelling that was happening on the one side of her, bo- uh, on the one side of her head was insane. Yeah, if you watched it live, you could actually see this hematoma being created on her forehead and it's swelling and getting bigger in real time it was really something to see you know <laughs> if you're if you're queasy about that kind of thing maybe you don't like it but it, it, it was yeah. it was really astonishing the side by side from the beginning of the fight to the end of the fight is is really really f- terrifying yeah that was an absolute brawl um zhang wei li obviously kept the belt uh good for her i I be- she's still the only Chinese champion right now, or the- she was the first, and now still the only Chinese champion in the UFC. Um, great fight, and yeah, it was it was an absolute brawl. Uh, second fight, which was the main event of the night, was Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. That was kind of a disappointing fight. Yeah, uh, there. I mean, there were times where it just kind of looked like they were dancing around for the entire for a while. Um, some people on Twitter were making jokes that it looked like that that the fight looked like whoever was controlling whoever was controlling them was was trying to figure out the controls for a few rounds. Um, but ended up in in Israel Adesanya keeping the belt. Um, not surprising. I mean, as we said, Yoel Romero is forty two years old, and yeah, he's old. <laughs> so. And Israel Adesanya is th- in, in the prime of his career. He's an absolute beast and it was not surprising to see this happen yeah i mean that fight was extremely disappointing if it was up to me obviously hindsight is 2020 but the co-main and the main should have been reversed agreed the co-main was absolutely incredible amazing fight by both fighters so much effort and brutality and then the next fight was an was a total disappointment it's hard to follow up a hall of fame ufc fight but these guys threw uh, nine total strikes in the first round. It, it was it was hard to watch. Romero came out and literally stood there. Didn't move a muscle. And it was really disappointing to see this Olympic wrestler not yeah. put any effort into his uh, into his fight. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that the UFC has struggled with in the past, which actually, no, they've actually been pretty good with this, was that they've uh, given less gravity to to women's fights 
But with Ron, with people who are stars like Ronda Rousey, and now I would say Zhang Wei Li. Absolutely. I think that you're going to see you you see more main events given to to women fighters and 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 women's championship uh, women's championship fights, right? So I think since Zhang Wei Li defended this title and defended it so well, I think that you are going to see an event where it's you know she's the main event, where her fight is the main event in the coming weeks. In the coming months, sorry, it's it's I, it's rare now that you get a, a true superstar women's fighter. Now that Ronda Rousey is no longer in the WWE, now that or not the WWE, sorry, the UFC. Now that Ronda Rousey is in the WWE rather than the UFC, we're not seeing as much. We're not seeing as many, you know, big time women's fights. And I think that Zhang Wei Li coming out and proving how dominant she is, I think. Will will push Dana White back towards giving women more, uh, more main events. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, he put it. Dana White put it perfectly in the post-fight yeah. interview. The first question he was asked was, "Was Wei Li uh, Yunjaechik the best women's fight you've ever seen?" And he said, "This was the best fight I've ever seen. Probably yeah, one of the best fights in general." absolutely probably the best women's fight but one of the best fights in general he's ever seen and i have to agree with him yeah uh this was a great night for women fighters and we're gonna see a lot more of it in the future i hope because they were absolutely incredible it was an excellent fight i'm very happy that it happened and i hope i hope that we see i hope that we see more more women's main events and i think that that i agree with you it should have been flopped because while while Israel Adesanya is known for for his show, showmanship and the way that he fights, we knew, we all knew that it, that Zhang Wei Li was going to come out and and put on an absolute show, and look at what we got. We got one of the best fights of all time. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping that that this is a the start of a, a change for the UFC, and there might be a little bit more uh, marketing geared towards their women fighters. Moving on, uh, the NFL. There's just a few. There's just a few kind of tidbits that have come around this week. Uh, Josh Norman, the controversial cornerback, signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Guess he's going the way of Darrell Revis, right? Darrell Revis played for the Bills for like a season, right? Or no, for no, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't play for the Bills. He played for the the Buck. He played for the Buccaneers and the Patriots and yeah. oh, never mind and the Jets. But, um, yeah, Josh Norman signed a one-year deal with them. I guess it's a prove-it contract. He was with the, he was with the uh, Redskins for a while. Um, but I guess that now he's feeling like going to somewhere a little bit colder. <laughs> um, the Jets released their high-priced cornerback, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, the Brown Center was named the new president of the NFL uh, Players Association, which is a big deal. Uh, we're heading into the negotiations for the new cba so he's going to have a lot of work to do um the outgoing nflpa president was had nothing but nice things to say about him also in contention for the job was giant safety michael thomas but in the end it was determined that uh the brown center was the right man for the job um this was an interesting article that came out today that is kind of a little controversial i would say um the article basically stated that there was speculation that Kellen Winslow, the former tight end, uh, 
So he right now he's I believe on trial or he's been convicted of multiple counts of sexual assault, as well as some other terrible crimes involving sexual assault. Um, so there was sec- speculation that these crimes could have been related to crimes could have been related to his CTE, which is not necessarily such a crazy thought. Because one of the one of the big markers for CTE is is impaired judgment, and they're saying that these things that he's done that have been so heinous and disgusting could have been caused by the injuries that he's had. And he the estimate that he's had the estimate was that he's had well over a thousand blows to his head during his career. And you know, as a tight end, you're not necessarily one of the uh, one of the cleanest players on the field. So it it, it it's a possibility. I, I would totally say that this is a possibility. It just seems very, you know, surprising to me that they would bring this up that, that it might be that it might be a thing. Definitely. I mean, he he has pleaded guilty to these charges now. Yeah. Um so he did it. We know that. But the fact that they're bringing up CTE now, it's definitely a possibility if anybody has seen the Aaron Hernandez documentary on netflix i personally haven't seen it yet but i've I've heard very good things yeah there's many many factors that can be introduced after somebody gets cte that turns to violence and uh your risk calculation is absolutely affected um and many many other things and it's sad to see i'm not very well versed on this case in particular but i can understand if somebody who has been hit in the head as many times as you've stated that this argument is probably um, quantifiable and reliable. And we'll see what happens in this court case. If they do believe it and they do accept that as uh, as a plea, then there will be a huge, probably, uproar in NFL, uh, the Players Association, and seeing... You know this CTE thing that's been happening to many players. Yeah, I. We'll see how it affects that. I mean, for sure, player safety is a huge deal. For sure, and and look, we uh, a few years ago the movie Concussion came out that was about Benedict Malu who do who was the first to uh, publish findings on CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, his Basically, uh, the movie Concussion shows his work on the autopsy of Mike Webster, who was a former Pittsburgh Steelers player. Uh, he was a Pittsburgh Steelers legend, and he had been dealing with, with uh, cognitive intellectual impairment, uh, destitution, mood disorders, depression, drug abuse, and suicide attempts for years. Um, he And in the movie, it shows him basically going crazy. So, it's it's... I know that a lot of a lot of what CTE is can cause these issues of of cognitive impairment and judgment problems and things like that. So it's not so far fetched to think that this is a possibility here in this case. Uh, moving on from that kind of morbid topic, uh, it was reported recently that Al Michaels could be traded from uh, NBC to ESPN to pair with Peyton Manning. Uh, ESPN right now is in talks to to get Peyton Manning to become a color commentator. Not surprising. I mean, with the success of Tony Romo and the fact that they lost out on Tony Romo to CBS, it's not surprising that they would try to get another former quarterback who's well kno- who's well known and well versed in the sport to come on and be a color guy. 
Um, and him and Al Michaels would have been a great team, I'm sure, because Al Michaels is one of the best. But the deal fell through. Uh, there's still a possibility that it could happen. Um, I don't see it happening. ESPN's a dumpster fire. Not going to lie. They, they've always had issues running the station. They always have problems with, with money and, and their talent. So, I mean, Mike Tirico left ESPN for NBC Sports, and the list kind of goes on and on and on in that, in that sense. Uh, I believe Colin Coward left ESPN for, for Fox Sports. Yeah. Um, I believe Skip Bayless left ESPN for Fox Sports. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So, yeah. So I think that I think that he kind of dodged a bullet here, but I, I'm hoping and praying that ESPN finds a way to get a good football crew because their football crew last year was so bad. Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland are not a good combination. I'm happy that they got rid of the Booger Mobile, but, you know, that was just a bad combo. And hopefully Peyton Manning and whoever they get to, to be the lead, to, to be the lead uh, analyst will be pretty good. Yeah, Peyton Manning would be great, I think. He obviously has a great personality. Many different uh, advertisements he's been in have been huge successes. He's a great media guy, too. I think that he would be a great announcer. I agree. Uh, big shout-out to Mr. Kelly, my former robotics coach and my former teacher for listening in. Uh, appreciate you listening in. Um, moving on to the MLB. So Barry Bonds came out this week and said that the MLB believes that they gave him a death sentence. So I believe he was working for the San Francisco Giants recently, and they let him go, um, and no team really wants to hire him. Well, the fact of the matter is, San Francisco really wasn't that good last year, <laughs> and San Francisco didn't really produce the offense that they were hoping for with Barry Bonds at the helm. And honestly, I feel like Barry Bonds can't hit without the steroids. So here you are. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> look, it's his own. it's his own fault. It really is. The guy took steroids. The guy... Messed with a bunch of MLB MLB records, it's not surprising that they that they are kind of ousting him from baseball. I cannot disagree with you more. Really? Really? Absolutely. Really? Okay. Barry Bonds took steroids. Okay, yes. it's known. He has screwed over the records of the game. And as far as I'm concerned, Hank Aaron is the career home run leader, and uh, Roger Maris is the season home run leader. Agreed. In career, or excuse me, in a season. Agreed. But you also have to recognize that he was a major part of the game. I, I, okay? would, I, I agree with you. I I'm not about to argue with you on the merits of whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame. That's a whole different debate. But he has been unfairly blackballed from the Major League Baseball in a whole. Okay, You have a guy, Alex Rodriguez, who did the exact same thing that he did. Okay, Took steroids, was a great player, and... They've committed the same offenses, but now Alex Rodriguez is a major commentator on ESPN, watches or er, announces Sunday baseball and every week, to, and isn't the running to buy the Mets? Exactly. Okay, so you have inequity in terms of punishment. Yeah, you know, punishment unofficially. Barry Bonds has been blackballed by the league because of what he did. When you have a same guy who did the same thing, not the same guy, you have a guy who did the same thing, and he's reaping all the benefits of a great career that he had. So it's unfair to Barry Bonds yeah. in totality, and it's unfortunate, okay? Barry Bonds 
maybe isn't the greatest media personality like Alex Rodriguez is. Maybe he wouldn't be as great on Sunday Night Baseball. But the way he has been treated by Major League Baseball has been terrible. Okay. I I personally think that what A-Rod did was worse. I I understand that the the records, all of that, is is one thing. But A-Rod, A-Rod consistently denied it and was found to have lied for years. So, like... Barry Bonds, I believe, has come out and sa- and actively said that he did steroids, and he admitted it. It took A-Rod, I think, like, five years after his retirement before he said, yes, I did steroids. Like, it just seems to me... I, 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 I've honestly always felt that A-Rod doesn't deserve the, the position that he has now. I think that steroid users in the MLB have a, a really weird kind of place. Because during that time, everybody did it. It, it's it's a fact, you know. Some of the biggest stars were on steroids. Uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, uh, Roger Clemens. There were so many people on steroids. But where are Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa? I know Sammy Sosa's going crazy. And I know Jose, Conse- Jose Canseco also. And now Jose Canseco's out looking for aliens, I think. He, he, does, he keeps posting on Twitter that he wants to go on alien expeditions. But, like, I, I don't know, because... There's always this debate about where steroid users kind of fall within the MLB lexicon, right? I feel like if we're going to let steroid users into the game, we should also consider them for other things, like the Hall of Fame, right? So it's it's hard for me to, as, as a baseball purist, to say that I think that steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame, but if we're going to be letting them into the game still and letting them have positions with teams and positions um, calling games like A-Rod... I think that they should be under consideration for for the Hall of Fame. I understand that it's a totally different situation, but it just seems to me that if we're gonna if we're gonna kind of look past these things and let them stay w- within the game and stay commentating and being a part of it, then then are we just gonna? I think that we're looking past the steroid use, aren't we? Not exactly. I mean, I I'm just saying, forget about the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is a whole other conversation that we can have and we can debate for hours. Yeah. But just in terms of Barry Bonds' relationship to Major League Baseball, if you look at the two cases between Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez, two guys who committed the same offense, and how have their careers panned out, okay? Barry Bonds has been absolutely blackballed from Major League Baseball. Nobody wants to touch him. And Alex Rodriguez has came out and become a sort of media star in ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Very involved in Major League Baseball. And all I'm saying is I understand where Barry Bonds is coming from, where he feels there's an inequity comparing himself to people like Alex Rodriguez. He has a right to feel that way. Yeah. But but the thing is, he also has had, he also has had, uh, sorry, he also has had uh, a job in the MLB since. It's not, it's not like they, he just happened to have failed miserably. <laughs> Like, the, the, the Giants were not good under his reign as hitting coach, so they let him go. And I, I, I can understand where the guy would feel slighted because, you know, it's the team that he he put he played his whole career, or a good portion of his career for. I know he played for the Pirates as well. Um, and, you know, they let him go, and now he has nowhere else to go. And I can understand how he feels slighted, but they gave him a chance. I, I, I just feel like, yes, I know that there's an inequity there. There definitely is. There's definitely some imbalance. But... A Rod is a is a, has an infectious character, and he's got the he's got the charisma. He's a he's a very charismatic person. So, I I think it's unfair of Barry Bonds to compare himself to A Rod, but 
yet we're 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 looking at the situation here and he's had a chance before. It's just, you know, I feel like now he's probably looking back on it being like they screwed me over and here we are, you know? Yeah. I I know we're not going to fully disagree on this overall, so we'll kind of just agree to disagree and move on. Um the Rangers Willie Calhoun broke his jaw after getting hit by a pitch in the face. Uh, he had emergency jaw surgery later that day. Broke broke his bottom, man, broke his mandible. Um, wish him a speedy recovery. It's a scary video to watch. I mean, it's happened in the past. It happened to Giancarlo Stanton. Um, it happened. I, I forget who else. It, it's definitely happened like a million times. Uh, but getting hit hit in the face with a pitch is not fun, especially when the guy's throwing over 90, 95 plus. So wish him a speedy recovery. Hope he gets better. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is getting the ball for his ninth opening day start. Not surprising. He's the face of that franchise. Good luck to him. Um, Christian Yelich will be getting deferred money until 2042, which is a lot. I mean, he, he just signed a huge contract. I think it was, what, $180 million. Um, Bobby Bonilla is getting paid until 2035, so I don't see an issue with this. Bobby Bonilla hasn't played for the Mets in, like, 20 years. So... You know, if if we're if we're gonna be spending an 180 million dollar contract, I have no problem with deferring deferring money, especially for a, a smaller market team like Milwaukee. Um, so good luck to them. I hope that I hope that the contract works out for them. If it doesn't, they're gonna feel like schmucks. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Michael Conforto went to New York to get an MRI on his side. Apparently, he tweaked his side during spring training. Uh, that's an unfortunate situation. There was talk that, or some people are talking about the Mets possibly signing Yasiel Puig, which I don't see happening. I don't. I look it from what it sounds like. Whatever's going on with Conforto is probably just a muscle tweak or, or strain or sprain or something. Uh, intercostal muscle strains are especially common during spring training, where players haven't really been, you know, swinging a bat consistently for the entire offseason, and they come in and they're swinging bats, you know, all day. So. We'll see what happens. I can tell from experience that intercostal muscle strains are some of the worst injuries you can get. It is so painful. Steve probably ha- Steve had one recently, so he can tell you it's it's horrible. So I'm not too worried about this. Hoping he gets better soon. Uh, Justin Verlander has a lat strain and probably won't be ready for opening day. That's really unfortunate. Uh, Justin Verlander is one of the faces of the game and was more than likely going to be the opening day starter for the Astros now that Garrett Cole is on the Yankees. Um, Aaron Judge was diagnosed with a rib stress fracture and will miss a good chunk of time. Unfortunate situation. The Yankees are getting decimated by injuries again. Um, the good news is that James Paxson is is said to begin or is set to begin to start throwing. I believe later this week. I believe also um, Gary Sanchez is on his way back. So yeah, he has the flu. He has the flu right now. Yeah. So hope, hopefully they wanted, they wanted to make sure that everybody knows that it's not the coronavirus. <laughs> it's just the regular flu. Hopefully, hopefully he finds his way back soon. Um, all rooting for him. And yeah. So I uh, Yankees fans are rooting for him. I don't know about all of us are rooting for him. Well, nobody wants to see anybody get injured. That that's true. That's true. I I do have to say that. So uh, we're gonna pause for a PSA real quick, um, and we will be right back. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So 
why I built super hide in places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I do the same things over and over again. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Alright, welcome back. Uh, now we're moving on to the NHL. Uh, just one thing that I really wanted to highlight this week that was honestly one of the best best sports performances I've ever seen. Uh, Thursday, Mika Zibanejad scored five goals, including the OT game winner. It was honestly a brilliant, exceptional thing to watch. The, it's just so cool. I mean, he had a hat trick, and I thought that was cool, and then scored, scored one to tie it late in the game, and then scored the OT winner on a breakaway. It was unbelievable. It's honestly exceptional to watch, that type of thing. Because he was the third player in, in, in Rangers history to score five goals in a game. Um, hadn't happened since, I believe, the 80s. Um, it, was, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, what an accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the Rangers are in a playoff push right now. It's looking less and less likely that they'll actually make it. Uh, here's hoping they do. Um, they do have some tough competition coming up, and they lost, I believe, their last game. So we'll see how how that goes. Uh, the NHL season is winding down, so we're gonna see some. We're gonna see the uh, playoff picture take a little bit better of a shape in the coming days and weeks. So we'll have more to talk about in that regard. But that was just something that I really wanted to highlight because it was honestly one of the greatest sports accomplishments and moments that I've seen in recent memory. Just the the determination to get to five goals in a game and the the amount of effort that it takes and the, the amount of just sheer determination is just incredible. Um, moving on, so our last topic of the day is about the NBA. So we mentioned last week that Mark Cuban... Um, was having disciplinary issues with the NBA due to his on-court antics. Um, so he was fined $500,000 for his conduct, and a memo was sent around the league pertaining to owner conduct for the future. Is that enough? Mark Cuban has been a problem for the league for a long time now, and I'm not sure, but I believe this is probably the biggest fine that he has received from the NBA. Uh... I hope it teaches him a lesson. I, I don't think it will. I mean, he's very wealthy. He, he, he I'm sure he plans on paying fines. You know, sure. He saves money to pay fines to the NBA each season. The problem is when he's jumping out of his seat, he's not supposed to be on the floor. He's not a coach. He's not a player. He's not supposed to be involved in the game. He is an owner. Yeah. But he likes to jump out of his seat and get into the referee's face when he does not like what they call or what they do. That is a huge problem. He's not supposed to be involved. The NBA does not want him involved, but he is getting involved by himself and getting physical with referees. You cannot yeah. do that. One of the, one of the biggest uh, issues that they highlighted in this memo was talking trash about, uh, talking trash about 
referees in the public eye as well. That was something that... So after after the, the situation that happened in the game against, the I believe, the Hawks, um, he came out and talked... Talk, talked very badly about the refs that were involved in that game, put in an appeal with the league to, to change the outcome. It was a whole mess. And, and this memo was meant to highlight owners put it, sticking their nose where it doesn't belong, essentially. So so with, with Mark Cuban, um, you know, he came out into the media and said these things about these refs. And... The, the NBA is trying to stop it in its tracks because an owner can't be coming out here and talking trash about the establishment of the league. You know, the very, the very league that he is an owner for, he can't be saying terrible things about, about you know, the, the commissioner's office and, and, the, and the people who he employs. Definitely. It, it's, it's true what they put, the NBA, what they put in the memo is basically saying that it's normal and it recognized part of sports for fans and the media to criticize to criticize officiating but league executives like mark cuban has to be held to a higher standard yeah for sure and and it's not surprising that they would say that because look it's 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 a it's a coach's job to summarize games and talk about the issues that might have been faced okay if it's always like, even in high school we were taught this, if a, if a player has a problem with the ref, you go to your coach or your captain. You don't, you don't, you don't have the, the head of the school coming onto the field and saying, hey, what's going on, ref? Like, that's not how this works. You, you, the owner of the team can't be the one to, to, call, to stir up controversy because it stirs up the fan base and makes everything harder. Yeah, an owner trying to go onto the floor and influence referees' decisions is definitely undermining the integrity of the game. 100%. And just to look at it in the league's perspective, it creates a sort of intimidating work environment for referees. Oh, definitely. I know fans don't really care about this sort of thing. Everybody hates referees, or at least half of everybody hates referees, depending how the call goes. But from the NBA's perspective, this cannot happen. An owner going onto the floor and getting in referees' faces, they're sending a huge message showing how furious they are, especially from Adam Silver, finding him half a million dollars. And I believe it's reasonable considering Mark Cuban's history. For sure. I I totally believe it's reasonable. And I think that if, if, if the NBA had let this slide, it would have been a bad precedent, and it would have led to... James Dolan probably coming out and doing something similar because we know that James Dolan likes to stir up controversy anyway. He stirred up controversy with Spike Lee recently. He stirred up controversy with Charles Oakley in the past. It seems that every time that there's some issue, James Dolan, James Dolan's the first to to jump in on controversy. So if if the NBA just let this one slide, I think you would have seen James Dolan doing something very similar. And I think that the fact of the matter is, is that the NBA is, is, Using using Cuban, rightfully so, as an example of what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's well-deserved. I hope Cuban learns his lesson after this time. He probably won't because we all know his personality. And I guess the NBA is trying its best, though. Gotta hope so. I mean, <clears throat> in the age that we're in right now where, where things are so uncertain in terms of if fans are going to be in the stadium or we're actually even going to be playing games, like... I think that I think that these these types of situations just need to take a back a, a back burner. Like 
stop stop being so self-aggrandizing and working for yourself here like this is a sport is is an escape from reality it is and if we're if we're going to be if we're going to be here saying that you know saying that uh saying that you know there's going to be drama in in the league and it's going to cause all these issues people aren't going to be wanna, aren't going to want to be here for it there are more pressing issues in the world there's there's a, a a deadly disease out there that we're trying to fight and if if we're if we're focusing in on ownership drama in the NBA i think people aren't going to want to watch cuz they're they're not going to have that escape you know this would be a problem even if there wasn't a public health emergency yes. going on anyways though yeah He's been doing this for years. Every time he gets fined, he hasn't stopped. And we'll see how much more he gets away with. But I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised to see if this sort of thing happens again. If he continues to talk trash about referees online and in, in the public eye, him being barred from attending games, just yeah. like uh, the fans might be pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's it for uh, Sports with Sam and Steve this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're off next week because we'll be on break. And unfortunately, we don't know when we'll be back because it's looking more and more like uh, school is going to be uh, moved to online in the coming days. So with that, um, I hope that we, we are able to talk to you guys or able to broadcast to you guys live again. Uh, until then, this has been Sports with Sam and Steve on WFNM. Uh, have a good evening, everyone.